Good morning. We are still in our series entitled The Master's Design for the Family, where we are on a journey to discover what God's user manual is for the gift that we have received from Him, our families. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is what it reads in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16. A few years ago, I was a sports physical therapist by profession. I was involved in the sports industry dealing with the athletes and their injuries and their specific cases. I would also get clients who would come into our clinics having various complaints, complaints of neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, headaches. In my profession, this biblical principle of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16 is clearly exemplified. You'd be surprised how neck pains, patients coming in complaining of neck pains, would actually be needing uh, training for their middle back strength, among other things. Patients complaining of headaches and migraines are often a result of a weakness of their neck muscle strength. Back pains are often a result of weak hip muscle strength, among other things. So as a therapist, I understand this biblical concept that each part needs to be working properly for the other parts to be able to be built up and to grow and to function well. This is why in this series, we recognize that the truth of the master's design can only work to the best of its ability if we seek to work at it as a family, with each member pursuing God's likeness in their specific roles and allowing the Spirit to transform them. So today, as we discuss the way a child should go, we recognize that only when the parents are functioning well can the children actually function well. But we will just be discussing the children's role for today. Next week, we will be talking about parents to be led by Pastor Jared. So today, we will just be discussing a children's perspective. What are children's roles? What is God's design for the children? And we will be doing that through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, and also from Deuteronomy chapter 11. The three points that we will be going through today are these. What is obedience for? How can we develop obedience? And what is the reward for obedience? We will discover and unpack these things as we go along today. But allow me first to use an analogy to weave through the points of our message today. We will be chasing a cadet. A cadet is a soldier entering the army. He's the first private. He's the youngest in the troop. He is the rookie, if you could call it. And when a a cadet enters the army, he is assigned to a certain commanding officer, parang training officer. And upon entering this fold of the army, of the military, the culture of the army demands that the cadet abides by certain rules, follows certain commands, and is able to build a relationship of, of obedience to his commanding officer. He is being commanded to obey in every way, regiments, routines, schedules, and having orders that should be immediately obeyed. Inevitably, expectedly, a cadet will ask why. Internally, maybe, or when he's sleeping in his barracks, he would question why he has to obey. He doesn't understand yet, but he's complying. Similarly, that's what 
children are going through. But to answer the cadet's question, to answer the children's question, we must take a look at our passage from the master's design taken from Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 to 3 reads, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. As we look at this verse, it would actually be helpful to note that Paul was not the first person to command obedience from the children. In fact, he was actually quoting from the scriptures, the Old Testament. So we have to look at the context of the Old Testament where Paul got this. This was from Deuteronomy chapter 11. It reads, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arms, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land. And what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of all Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. In Deuteronomy, the command with the promise was first given by Moses to the Israelites. This Israelites was a generation that saw God's deliverance bring them from Egypt to freedom. It, it is the generation that witnessed God's great work of salvation as it happened personally to them in their lifetime. He is asking, Moses is asking them to consider all that the Lord has done that it might inspire them to keep his commandments, promising that by keeping them, there will be overcomers in the land that he will give them. So obedience was first and foremost commanded to God's people because his faithfulness and goodness warrants it. So we can read this. Obedience to God is commanded first and foremost because the Lord's faithfulness and goodness warrants it. The people, the Israelites that Moses was initially speaking to, was obeying God, was commanded to obey God because they have seen what obedience leads to. That it leads to their deliverance, their protection from the enemy, deliverance from death. Obedience to God has led to their personal salvation as a people. They survived and overcame the world by following God and his commandments, his instructions, his leading them out of slavery and into freedom. So if we would go back to our cadet and his commanding officer, it would go something like this. This was as if Moses was speaking first to the commanding officers, a generation who were scarred in war. Before the cadet was born, before he entered the army, the commanding officer had experienced numerous wars. And in those wars, he had learned to obey the great army general. And upon obeying the army general's war instructions, their army 
has won numbers and numbers and numerous wars. They had overcome adversities in seemingly impossible situations. The army general proved himself through experience that he was worth following. He was worth obeying. And so, in the same way, we are encountering here in Deuteronomy that the army general is God himself. He is asking the commanding officers to remember, to consider all the wars that he has delivered them from and he has granted victory to. And all the times that his commands has led to their victory. Therefore, he's asking them, follow me always because this is good for you. Follow me always because this will win you wars. So when we go back to our passage in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul is commanding obedience from the children, we often act like a cadet who doesn't know the rigors of the wars that this commanding officer has overcome. Why do I have to obey this officer? Keeping, he's keeping on telling me what things to do, what things to follow, how to live. Why do I have to follow him? But given now the background of Deuteronomy, we realize that God has shown his good and mighty deeds to the generations of commanding officers above the cadet. Therefore, it would be wise for the cadet to obey the commanding officer. In the same way, it would be wise of the children of the Israelites to follow their fathers and their mothers, for they have seen what is good, what would deliver them. Obedience has taught them this. So we answer the first question. What is obedience for? Our obedience to our parents is a command from God. Commands from God have proven to lead to our good and our deliverance. That is our first point. As we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, we remember what Paul said. He discussed this about us. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We are reminded we were once called sons of disobedience, but now we have a new identity. The very next verse says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. It is in this very next verse we see that we were once sons of disobedience, but we have experienced a salvation. We have experienced a new life that enables us now to obey and to do good and to we are created to walk in the goodness of his commands, to obey what he has created us to do. So as we finish our first point, we go back to our cadet. As we now know, the cadet might not yet know the wisdom behind obedience, for he has never been to war. He has not met the army general himself, but the commanding officer that is above him, the ones God is commanding him to obey, they have seen and they have personally experienced that obedience to God is good. It's good. It wins them wars. It delivers them in life. 
So if the cadet learns to obey their commanding officers, the commanding officers' commands will lead to the cadet's good. Thus, it is the responsibility of the commanding officer to continue to impose commands, whether or not the cadet understands these things. Knowing that it is good for the cadet, it has been proven to win wars the methods that the commanding officer requires of the cadets, even when he doesn't understand. So as children, it's the same. A lot of what our parents ask of us, we do not understand. And yet, the Lord commands us to trust that in obedience to our parents, it is good for us. It is not just good to comply with them. It is actually good for us as their children. It will lead to our good. So, the next question we ask, how can the cadet or the child develop obedience? Because by nature... They were sons of disobedience. That's what they were initially about. They were always rebellious. They were always disfollowing. What does the master say about disobedient people? The second verse would inform us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The word honor there is underlined. You see, the word honor in its original language, it actually means to estimate, to revere, to give recognition, and to hold highly. Whereas the first command was to ask the children to obey, which was a behavior, this word honor is not a behavior in itself. The root word is actually an internal attitude, one that you... Um, internalize one that you feel out of your inner being so if you put it in a sentence it means we must give recognition to our parents recognizing them as god's authority to estimate accurately about who they are to honor someone is not really about outward behavior but an inward attitude what we think about them how we perceive them this is what should change it means in the cadet story that he must realize that he is not just obeying another cadet who knows nothing. Instead, he is obeying a commanding officer who is recognized, who is delegated responsibility to train me as the cadet, and he has been given authority to do so. This means the cadet changes his perception of how to respond to this commanding officer. That is what it means to honor. Let's continue our reading of Moses speaking to the Israelite generation to further understand this. In verse 18, it reads, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, and we are walking by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your father to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth when Moses was instructing the generation that saw the goodness of God they were also tasked a responsibility to become training officers to become commanding officers to the next generation who have not seen who were not born yet when the Lord showed his greatness when the Lord showed his outstretched arm when the Lord 
showed his mighty deeds to deliver them out of Egypt. Therefore, it was the responsibility of those who have seen with their very own eyes and have walked through the Red Sea with their very own feet to educate the next generation of how this army general and his commands can be trusted and has been proven to deliver them. Therefore, if we think about our parents, they have been given this authority. The Lord had ordained for this generation to be our teachers. In his divine wisdom, he has particularly chosen this generation to be witnesses to us of his work that we might not have yet experienced personally in our lives. How he has saved them from their own slavery in their lives. How he has experienced, they have experienced his goodness in their problems, in the wars that they have fought through the years of parenthood and through the years that they have had in this earth. Notice that the parents were instructed to teach not just what they thought was good. They were instructed to teach this words of mine, which is of God, of the army general. Commanding officers then should not be talking about how good they are as commanding officers to the cadet. Instead, commanding officers must inspire obedience of the cadet by telling them of the goodness of the army general that designed all of these commands. So as parents, they are to instruct us not about their experience, their expertise, but how the Lord's faithfulness has got them here and how us obeying God will also get us where we need to go. So from this, we can conclude that the parents are to become worthy teachers and trainers by exercising a spiritual authority, not a positional authority, but a spiritual authority that was gained by them walking personally with God in their lives. And in that experience, in that weight that they have gained in experience and in intimacy with God, they have influence to tell us to obey the same. So from this, children will, will learn to respond to their parents with obedience, recognizing that these people, this father and this mother that I have here in my home, have walked with the Lord. They have experienced His goodness. Therefore, how they live life should be emulated. They can be trusted. So how can children develop obedience? Children honor their parents by responding accordingly to the spiritual authority that is delegated to and demonstrated by the parents. And as we go back to the cadet anal analogy, let's say that, that the cadet is already struggling to obey, just like all cadets will. Of course, he is a new soldier. He is not used to being ordered around. Yet, he has to acquire skills and knowledge and be inspired to obey. And how do we do this? A cadet learns obedience quicker if he is to pay attention to the worthiness of the parents to be obeyed, the manner, the method, and the message of the life of the commanding officer. His attitude must change toward his parents. Our attitude must change towards our parents, recognizing them that they have walked with God and therefore they should be emulated. It changes our perspective. From seeing our parents as puro utos na lang to, utos na utos, to one who says, baka may wisdom yung inuutos niya. Kasi may pinagdaanan na siya with God. Eh. And he has known what not to do. And he has learned what to do. 
because he has walked with God and he is constantly learning from God. So you can say that, yes, it needs both parts to work properly. As the parents follow God, they gain more and more spiritual weight of authority. And the children see this and they sense this in their parents, which inspires them to obey. Parents who follow God can inspire parent children who follow them. If parents do not also do their jobs, it's going to be hard to command your children to obey you because your life speaks of failure, of defeat, and of not much victory or inspiration. So we develop obedience in our children by living godly lives. And we as children develop obedience in ourselves by recognizing God's work and God's hand and God's faithfulness in the lives of our parents. It works both ways. I wanted to point out something also in the way parents build relationships. You see, in the same verse, in verse 18 to 21, we can mine out certain wisdom from Moses and from God in how parents and children should build relationship with each other. The underlined words are very key. When you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, these commandments were given to the parents. This is a very important context here. What am I saying? For both the cadets and commanding officers, Deuteronomy is not just telling us what the content is of what we teach. We shouldn't just say, ah, I just tell them about God, tell them the gospel, bring them to church. That is the content. Content. But how about the context, the relational context of how the parents will impart this content to them? Context and content is different. You see, the underlined verses here by Moses is showing that parents should be involved in the daily lives of their children. It means that children should be aware of the teaching that is being imparted in the sitting in your house moments, in the walking around moments, in the lying down around moments, in the rising and waking up moments with living with their parents who have walked with God. The teaching should be done in times spent together. You cannot experience or inspire obedience only when you talk to them, only when you have something to teach or something to say. Teaching happens when quality time is spent together. So, it's not just in the responsibility of our parents. Maybe the children are thinking, ah, my dad's not spending time with me. See, now I'm disobedient. No. It works both ways. So here are my suggestions. These are some of the things that I learned also as a 30-year-old child. Send available signals to your parents. What do I mean? You know, sometimes as kids, we really like when our fathers or our parents spend time playing with us. And as adults, they, you want them to ask about your day. But what do we do when we get home, to be honest? We go straight into our room and we spend hours and hours scrolling on our phones by ourselves in an enclosed room, apart from our parents. And come dinner time, we're still scrolling on our phones while we eat, even though our parents are there. So what signals are we sending to our parents? I don't want to spend time with you. Every time we're scrolling on our phones, it's saying, I'm more interested in this phone than in you, dad. 
Okay? So as children, one thing we can do to cultivate and learn to honor our parents with is to send available signals. Drop your phone when you get home. Approach, be available, be physically present in the family gatherings. Not just uh, physically present as well, but mentally engaged, emotionally available, relationally engaging, discussing, available to your parents. Second, one of the greatest misconceptions we have about our parents come from wrong assumptions. We think that they don't know what to do. We think they're not wise because we assume from our limited perspective that our parents know nothing. But you see, avoiding assumptions is wise. It's avoiding jumping to conclusions about what they know and what they do not know. We seek to understand. Craig Rochelle, a very famous uh, inspirational leadership speaker, says, We are most critical of the things we don't understand. Let me say that again. We are most critical of the things we don't understand. What does that have to do with how we honor our parents? Most of the time, I know, I'm a youth pastor, I've heard the sentiments of our youth. We are very critical of our parents, their lack, their weaknesses, their inability to connect with us or understand our world. But maybe, just maybe, it takes for us to first understand them. Why do they do things the certain ways that they do? Maybe we have to ask. Maybe we can understand them and stop criticizing when we understand why they have become certain kind of people. Maybe that's their love language. Maybe they don't talk to you because their love language is actually acts of service maybe by bringing you to school that's what your father thinks is loving to you but if you fail to communicate in your mind you're saying dad didn't say i love you to me today he doesn't love me forever but you don't see that his language his way you don't understand you assume that he doesn't love you so as we grow up as children of god it invites that we have truthful conversations with each other dad what why, how do you show that you love me? Mom, how do you show that you love me? Ask your parents. Don't just assume my parents don't love me. Okay? So learn to speak. Learn to relate with them well. And this cannot happen if you're not spending time with your parents. You cannot expect that your relationship with your parents will become very honoring and very obedient without time spent together, relationally healthy time together. And develop eyes to see God's image in them. What do I mean? If I tell you to look for something black in this room and you look around, suddenly there's so many black things that jump out to your eyes. Why is that? It's called mental conditioning. And that is what God actually commands in the Bible. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. We are to condition our minds, renew our minds according to what God wants us to see and to focus on. What godness do you see in your parents? That is one way that we can learn and develop honoring our parents. So let me ask you today, how is God's image seen and manifested in the lives of your parents your father what characteristics of god do you see in your father what characteristics of god do you see in your mother maybe your dad is constantly sacrificing his strength his energies to provide for you 
Maybe your mom is sacrificing sleep so that you have lunch to bring to school. Maybe your mom is sacrificing her need to nag and trusting God. Those are small snippets of fruits of the spirit that you can see that God is at work in your parents. And in those mental models, in those things that you see in their parents, it will inspire you to have more understanding, more grace, and see them through the eyes of faith. Learn to see God in your parents. And number four, change your attitude towards them. Recognize them as God's authorities. And not just authorities, but learning how to partner with them so that you may learn to they may learn to lead you well. Communicate what you need as a child. Dad, can you hug me more? Mom, can you nag me less? Mom, if I'm in my room and I'm working on my finals week, can you give me some space? Because I'm mostly stressed in my finals week and I tend to be cranky when you bother me during my finals week. This is part of honoring your parents. This is part of learning how to create grace and space for each other so that you're not stepping on each other's toes. But you see again, this cannot happen if you're constantly checking out every time you're at the dinner table, if you're constantly unavailable to them to, to help them understand you, and you're constantly unwilling to understand them. There needs to be one person who goes first, the one who is able to take the courage step of allowing the spirit to inspire love into the family and who will take the first step to abide by the master's design. That is the challenge that has been on our hearts for this whole series so far. It's a partnership. Each part has to be working well for the design to work flour flourishingly. So these things help us change our obedience from mere outward behavior. Yung inutusan ka tapos fine, I'll wash the dishes. These are hand obediences but not heart obediences. You see, God wants us to obey our parents both in behavior and in attitude. It's saying, if my mom commands me to do this, I'm doing it with my hands and with my heart. This is a prelude to how we serve the Lord as well. It's not just with our hands, but he invites our heart to be part and aligned to the behavior that you are doing. So how can we develop obedience? Again, as the cadet learns to abide by the rules of the commanding officer, he usually has the assumption that the commanding officer just wants me to obey so that he will have it easy. But as we have seen, Commands from our army general are not made for the army general himself. The strategies, the commands, the rules, and the regulations that the army general commands of us, this is God, is good for the officer, for the army, and for the cadets. It saves the nation. It saves the people. It saves their lives. Not for the army general, but for the soldiers themselves to survive and thrive in war. So, the cadet will eventually realize that commands and rules are not placed there for authority's sake. Instead, cadets are developing a life of obedience, being formed as a cadet 
that is obedient in the long run. He is becoming an obedient person because of the obedient steps that he is doing. Why do I say that? You see, in the third part of our verse in Ephesians chapter 6, the third verse, it says that it may go well with you and that it may live, you may live long in the land. Remember, Paul was not talking to the parents here. He's not saying, if your children obey you, you will live long. No, that's not what he's saying. Clarify what Paul is saying here. It says that if the children obey and honor their parents, the children will be the one who, go, who has it well, go well with them, and they're the ones who will live long. Why do you think Paul says this? The obedient live long. The honoring live long. The, the, the ones who learn obedience has life, can go through life and it will go well with them. Why? Why does it benefit the obedient? One thing we must realize is that at the heart level, each obedience and honoring attitude is a training for us as children. It trains us to honor and obey God eventually outside of our parents' roofs. So if we go back to the cadet, when the training and commanding officer is making them do push-ups or making them do 300 sit-ups or running four hours in the rain, it's not because the, the commanding officer wants to sit around and say, ah, I just commanded them. I'm such a good leader. No. It's actually forming the cadets to become obedient soldiers. So sometimes as you're running in the four hours, you don't see the point. You don't see the reward of this obedience. Ah, this officer is commanding us again. But over the years of obeying, over the years of complying, over the years of putting your heart into this regimen, you have been formed as a well-trained and well-obedient soldier. In the same way, inside of each training session in our family, inside of each of our parents' commands, we are being trained. We are being honed as a child to become a fuller human being. We are becoming a better follower, a better submissive follower. Of who? Of what? Of other parents? Of authority figures? Yes, but ultimately... To the capital A authority, our training inside our homes is a place where we cultivate obedience as people in a small scale. We honor and obey our parents in our earthly families. But eventually, this is us as a discipline, watering the obedient soil in our hearts because we are disobedient children. But the more we obey, the more we are becoming children of God, children and people of God who experience His goodness, His outstretched arms, and His mighty deeds by not dishonoring His ways. An obedient soldier is able to obey God's commands, His rules, and His way of life. And this will lead to the child's well-being in the long run. During my last semester in seminary school, I was researching and writing for a paper on Asian families. And one very interesting point that I found was significant was the author saying that a child's interaction 
in his or her family dictates how she or he eventually interacts with the outside world. This means how he submits to the parent's authority. Parati ba siyang nagre-reklamo kapag may inuutusan siya? Parati ba siyang embittered in his heart, masama yung loob kapag sinasabihan? Does he respond well to correction inside of the home? Does he exhibit ability to trust authority figures despite lack of understanding of what benefits the commands have? Does he work well with authority figures? Kaya ba niya sumunod? Kaya ba niya maging follower? Does he communicate healthily upward towards authority figures? Is, it a, is he able to appreciate and see the good in the authority figures inside the home? All these questions and evaluations and these filters eventually come out in the outside world. When the child becomes an adult, he is faced in the outside world with other worldly authorities. There will come a day that he's outside of the parents' roofs and new authorities come in his way. Pwedeng maging boss niya, pwedeng maging pastor niya, pwedeng maging life group leader niya, pwedeng maging employer niya. The way he reacted to the home how the way he responded to authority figures in the home will be exactly how he responds to his boss, his employer, his life group leader, and his pastor eventually, even though he's 30, 40, and 50 years old. What does that tell us? In a spiritual sense, our parents have paved the way and created a home environment for us to learn how to relate well to the world around us. In a sense, how we relate to our parents, how we respond to their commands, their discipline, their correction, will be how we respond to the outside world when we're corrected in the office, when we're corrected in the church, when we're disciplined by our life group leaders. The same response will be triggered. So if we're not cultivating a godly response to our parents in the home, to their correction, to their rebuke, to their teaching, to their discipline, we cannot expect ourselves to respond well when the pastor corrects us, when the employer corrects us, when we experience discipline and difficulty outside the world, we cannot respond well because we have not responded well during our childhood to our parents. So there are times when we don't understand why our parents are telling us to do this and this. Will we obey? There are times that our parents want to spend time with us, but we're so overwhelmed with our homework and our responsibility, what will we choose? There are times when discipline is necessary. Will we have an attitude to learn from the parents' discipline or will we be embittered, holding a grudge in our heart that your parents are disciplining you? These reactions, the way we respond to these corrections will determine the people we become. How we relate to our parents will largely contribute eventually to how we relate and submit to God's authority. As a youth pastor, many young people nowadays complain about authority figures. I can tell you that. They complain about their teachers, complain about their parents, they complain about life group leaders being boring. They complain about the pastor not giving a good sermon. They complain about government officials. They complain about the election. They complain about the Philippines. They complain about everything. Teachers, bosses eventually, their employers, their wives, they complain about them. 
their girlfriends, they complain their friends, everyone. They're complaining about everyone. They are very critical about everything and everyone. And I wonder, is it only the fault of the authority figures that caused this? Or is it because we as children, as a generation of children, have failed to become obedient or failed to learn how to properly relate to authority figures, starting from the people God gave us as our first authorities, our parents? Do you think maybe your struggle to submit to your teachers, your employers, your bosses, your life group leaders, your pastors, stems from your inability, your failure to learn obedience and honor inside of the home. The very authority figures that God first and foremost gave you as your commanding officers. Think about the choices you are making, not just behaviorally with your hands. In, in the, maybe in the house you're doing all the chores, but in your heart, you're rebelling against your parents' desires. Maybe you're doing your academic work, passing grades, going to church, but in your heart, begrudgingly, you are harboring anger and bitterness toward what your parents are asking you to do. So what you do outside is irrelevant because your heart is becoming corrupt against authority. And that is the opposite of what the reward of obedience is. The reward of obedience is we are given opportunities to align our disobedient hearts with our obedient hands. Help me, Lord, to obey my parents even though it's inconvenient to me. This is what it means to be sanctified, to be called out, to be remade and made new in the likeness of Christ who says in the Bible he learned obedience through what he suffered. What about us as children? How are we cultivating ourselves to become obedient people? We keep on blaming people and failing to actually correct what is being challenged. Our very rebellious and disobedient hearts. We become what we, are, we allow our hearts to be about. Our hearts is the wellspring of life. So we must watch our hearts. So as we conclude today's message, we learn that obedience is not for the authority figures. It must, these commands are given for us as the cadets. How can we develop obedience? We must learn how to understand people. We must learn how to honor them and recognize them as God's authorities given in our lives as training opportunities to shave our hearts of disobedient and rebellious shells to make a new heart of stone that is able to respond and submit to authority. Because what is the reward when our hearts are pure, when our hearts are available and ready to obey authority figures, ready to be disciplined, corrected, then the Lord can do his greatest work in us. So children, your disobeying your parents is not doing good to you. You, as you think it is. 
but your obeying your parents will do far more good to you than you will ever realize. It's a dying to self and obeying authority. It's what will require of us to have and live a good Christian life in this difficult and broken world. We have to learn how to submit to God's authority despite of our lack of understanding as cadets, admitting that he is a commanding officer and I am a cadet. I have to learn and there is wisdom in what he is commanding. That is where faith comes in. That is where the Holy Spirit needs to compel us to do something out of our nature, out of our disobedient nature, so that we are continually made into the likeness and grow up into the fullness of God. So a few reflection questions for us as we end. What is my previous perspective on obedience? How has today's perspectives or how has my old perspectives hindered me from being able to be, obey my parents in the Lord? What is God seeking to renew in me today? What do I need to turn away from in my thoughts, in my feelings, and in my actions? I hope this truth is creating ripples in your heart that you respond to. Again, each part must be working accordingly. And for other parts to grow, other parts need to function well. So children's obedience and honor are response to what they see and recognize as godly and spiritual authority in their parents. That is why next week, join us as we talk about the responsibility of parents in training up obedient children. Let's close this time in prayer. Father God, you are our father. And we confess that we have learned to relate to you because we have learned, we have failed to see that you have placed father figures and mother figures and authority figures in our lives to actually teach us obedience to you ultimately. Lord, from this day forward, change our perspective to how we see each command, each utos from our parents. Help us to see it as a training opportunity, as a cadet to learn the ways of war so that we, when we are left alone, when our commanding officers are retired, we can survive this life because we have learned to become obedient people, a way of living that will go well with us. Forgive us for our rebellious hearts. We know you know them. Forgive us for our angry thoughts against our parents. Forgive us for our ignorance, for failing to understand them. Forgive us for our critical minds of thinking that our parents are not as wise as we are. Lord, you have ordained for them to be training curriculums for us. Help us to submit our lives and entrust our discipline and our correction in their hands. Help us to respond to their correction well so that when you also correct us, we might learn and be able to respond well. We pray all these things and surrender our hearts to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So brothers and sisters, thank you again for joining us for another Sunday of worship. I pray this truth uh, resonates with you for the rest of the week. Have a blessed Sunday.